our eight finalists out of the 30 businesses that came forward um, at Lake Forest College. So we're real excited. We've got a whole array of different types of industries going here. Um, we're excited to present. Uh, the format for tonight is going to be a three minutes uh, presentation by each one of the students. And then uh, we'll open it up for questions, uh, five minutes type of questions, just to give you a taste of where these students are at. And then we'll move on to the next one. Okay? Um, before we get started, though, I would love it if you guys out here would introduce yourselves. Um, maybe starting over here with John Dick. Uh, my name's John Dick. I'm retired. <laughs> I'm broke. Uh, Sam Valenti, um, just uh, working on a startup company out of Chicago. Okay. Susan Klein, we're just introducing ourselves here. I'm Dean Tobias. I wish I was retired. And, uh, do a lot of activities with startups and uh, major corporations. So we have this program called Dancing with Startup where we uh, Sam's one of our reboot fellows and does a lot of that work. But you get Sam okay. I'm uh, David Moore. I uh, have a company called Woodland Foods. <clears throat> and we started it uh, 25 years ago. And it's in Waukegan. So I, I'm <laughs> Professor Lemke. I guess I'm chair of the entrepreneurship program. I'm Jim Crawford. Uh, my firm is Triad Capital Management, uh, which is a private equity fund. I've been in venture capital and private equity for about 30 years and invested in and nurtured uh, during that time about a dozen startups. Not all successful. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Steve Scott and I'm the president of uh, an entrepreneurial college. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm Susan Wright and I work for Lake Forest Bank, which is part of the Wintrust uh, group of banks and I've had lots of entrepreneurial clients over the course of my banking career. Okay, great. Welcome and thank you all for coming. Um, we're going to get started right away and we're going to start with Matt Peterson, who is uh, going to talk to us about food bill distribution. Thank you, Professor. You own a local pizza shop. Your regular weekly ingredient order comes in, but you've only received four out of the ten cases you've ordered. And those ingredients are used to make your family secret pizza sauce. You contact multiple distributors in search of the product, but you can't locate it. No ingredients, no revenue, no pizza for anybody. But now there's a quick and easy solution to quickly replenish that product without the hassle of contacting multiple distributors. Hi, my name is Matthew McPherson, and I'm the founder of Food Fill Distribution. We provide food service solutions to restaurants seeking to replenish their inventory without the hassle of contacting multiple distributors who may have not received their full weekly ingredient orders in full. A restaurant manager can access our online marketplace and search for an item from hundreds of local distributors. They can then place an online order and receive that product same day or next day. Our value proposition is quick and easy access to products. Restaurants rely on us when there is a product shortage in the supply chain, um, when inclement weather affects transportation, or when an increase in customers requires extra product fast. Our target market is food service distributors and operators in the Chicago land area. The National Restaurant Association reported that $23 billion was spent at Illinois restaurants in 2015 alone. With our position in the food service supply chain, we see a great opportunity to create value for operators. 
Our competitors are essentially our clients, the food service distributor. We want to be the first step in replenishing inventory when a product order is incomplete, rather than restaurants contacting those distributors in search for that product. We pride ourselves on the quick and easy access to those products. We are seeking $200,000 for 20% stake in our company in order to fund um, development of the software, um, to fund marketing for our business, and in order to purchase delivery trucks to execute orders. The current status of our company is to continue further development um, of our software and infrastructure. Our niche in the marketplace is unique, but the opportunity is huge. Thank you. Kind of the business that we're in, we, we supply food service oh, distributors. Tough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, are you inventorying products? Uh, we are just providing product from a distributor to the operator. So, when a product um, order is cut short, um, that restaurant manager can go in and have exposure on the marketplace to multiple distributors' inventory management systems. Um, and then if that product is available to them, they can hit the button, place that online order, and one of our delivery and uh, delivery trucks will pick up that product from that distributor and take it directly to the restaurant. So it's How kind of a last minute, for last minute stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They're called hot shots in the industry. The salesman usually has to go mm -hmm. pick it up at a competitor's place. Yeah, so and that's the service we want to provide for the um, distributor and even the restaurant itself. So if a chef has a specialty um, item that he wants on a um, monthly featured dish and that product, specialty product is cut short, instead of having his bus boy go and grab it, um, who may not know the directions to the distributor, or um, you know, you gotta take that um, extra person off of the labor staff, we'll just go ahead and pick up that product for him, or take that product off the hands of the sales rep having to drive that out. How much hotshot uh, business is, is there, or how much hotshot hot uh, work is there in the Chicago area? Sure, so um, 7,300 restaurants are located in the Chicagoland area. And from the research I conducted, their food costs average about $320,000 um, on average. Um, so we expect to get about 5% of that cut of the food costs depending on um, seasonalities and how often those products are available. Um, so we want to procure 20 restaurants in the first month of business, which I believe will generate about $470, or $470,000, I think that was just for $470,000 in revenue in the first uh, year of business. And then we'll get $32,000 in profits for that. Um, we're going to grow at a rate of 10% and 7%, um, which will allow us to add two restaurants um, per month for that first month of business. Yeah, so, you, I, go ahead. I, have a question. I was going to ask, what's your revenue model? I mean, uh, are you buying from the distributor and then reselling to the restaurant? Exactly. And paying yeah. for gas and trucks and drivers? Mm -hmm. So our cost of goods will work? essentially be um, the uh, price of that case. And then, of course, the software, um, the gas, um, the labor. And then we'll take a convenience fee out of that, like five or seven percent per case. So uh, you lost me when you said you're going to buy trucks. I kind of air went out of my sale over here. Um, 
But you're basically a, an exchange for last minute mm -hmm. items, and so have you thought about just partnering with, there's too many delivery services out there that would be happy to go pick it up for you, where your value is more just the network, the exchange. Exactly, so we have, our trucks will be able to, um, in that exchange, have the freezing and refrigeration capabilities, um, depending on what kind of product is delivered um, to those individuals. In addition, um, we're providing the software integration and exposure to the inventory management systems of the food distributors so they can see what products are available in the region. And then the delivery service is just a, um, icing on the cake, if you might. Yeah, the question was just to make it a higher, mar higher margin business model, just not having your own truck, using someone else's, that's all. Um, so I originally I was thinking that the distributor would just take the product itself, I think is the best answering the question. Um, and do those extra runs. We saw an opportunity to get those delivery trucks and make it a more convenient, better service for um, those operators if we got those trucks for ourselves. Um, there'd be more of an added convenience fee on top of that, but we believe that there was um, a quicker response time and a more convenience to get those products faster if we did our own delivery service. That's a big CapEx expense in the early years. How long is it going to take you to recoup that? Um, so we're going to do two different, um, two different delivery trucks in the first year of business. Um, and then we'll pay those off within the first year. Um, and then just kind of, that's how we kind of uh, uh, put it in our cost of sold. And then um, we'll buy one delivery truck per year um, moving forward if necessary, um, depending on how much we grow years after that. Yes. Have you <clears throat> calculated how much business a truck can produce going from a distributor in Elk Grove Village to a restaurant in Lake Forest to a distributor in Tinley Park to the restaurant in Barrington? It's variable depending on how much product the restaurant wants. Um, so if it's going to be a couple different cases um, and the size of the cases. So um, I was looking at Ford Transit. Um, Vans that have their refrigeration freezer capabilities, and an average—I uh, can't remember the exact measurements of it—but a case you can hold in your hands would hold about. Um, you could put 50 cases in one of those um, vans. Oh, so small trucks. Yes. Okay. So we're just focusing on those couple different um, cases, not necessarily large loads of product, but um, very. Um, small orders of products in order to um, provide our services. I guess I'm just envisioning one delivery taking two hours during the rush hour yeah. with a 5% convenience fee on a $100 order, spending $35 in gas and three hours in traffic for a $15 fee. Mm -hmm. And that's why that convenience fee would be variable. So it would almost be kind of, um, that's, I was envisioning something flat, but um, looking at the possibility of having to do almost like a Uber um, expense, if you might. Um, so depending on how long that, if it's going to be a Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock going from um, uh, Oakland and Illinois all the way up to Lake Forest, then um, there's going to have to be an added additional cost to get that product. Well, what I, I guess what I was wondering, I mean, just to build on this, it was a thought I had earlier is, have you considered just, you know, more of a geographical restriction to start? So, I mean, instead of the Chicago region, can you do um, some smaller 
area and still, I mean, and still make money? I don't know yeah. the answer, but I well, mean, the area we're going to focus on for marketing would entail Lake County, Cook County, and DuPage County. Um, and initially, we were going to start with a very um, small area in Lake County, um, focus on marketing those restaurants and expand our marketing outward. So as our marketing expands, our business will expand with that, um, and then we'll be able to pick up the capacity um, as the time goes on. Is this same day demand or next day demand? Uh, it depends on um, what the restaurant wants. So we can do it same day or next day, um, depending on the time of day, what kind of products that they want. Um, like I said, if it's, you know, they have a feature dish on Friday night and they um, want, it's a Friday afternoon, they need that product there, they might not be the same day. Um, have, you, have you located food distributors in the Chicago area geographically? Um, several, most of them would be north side of the city um, that I was able to locate. Okay, I think we're going to have to cut them off. Two separate items, we can combine them into one. That's what we created the Go Brush. 
is everything you need for brushing your teeth in one compact, portable design. As you rotate the dial at the base of the handle, toothpaste inside is pushed up into the brush head to the desired amount. Um, and uh, when you're done, let's see. Oh, I can't restart, I'm sorry. <laughs> first, 
and, and see how that goes. So focusing on our three target markets, um, which are uh, business and leisure travelers, um, those going on camping trips, and then also um, we have our office users. And then expanding it from there, um, if we need to make any private investments or anything like that, um, but then taking it uh, further into the wholesale market. But we really want to make sure that we have a product that we believe is perfect for the market, that we strongly believe is, is the right product at the time before we start to go very large scale into the wholesale. And just to follow on, Robbie, and you think that's an easier path to go to the individual than going to Hyatt Hotels first and working with them? I believe so. And to me, I, I would much rather make sure that I have a good product before going to them. That way, I can ensure that it is a product that can be in the market for a sustainable amount of time, for an elongated period. I'd much rather go to them with a, with a real product and say, I've got sales for three to five years. This is, what, this is how um, people view our product. This is what we've got already in terms of hard numbers and sales and everything like that. Um, and now we'd like to offer it to you with the ability to be private labeled. So for them, for those uh, hotels, for example, or for a conference, it also becomes a marketing material. So our product uh, at a wholesale price, most likely, I would say, probably is more expensive for them to buy than for them to buy the tiny little tubes of, of Crest or, or Colgate. Um, but the, our, my value proposition is that it becomes a marketing material for them, that they're gonna have their label and their address and phone number on that go brush that's gonna be traveling with people um, all, all around the country, even use, um, use at home. So uh, we're always going to remember their vacation uh, from our product. Robbie, how'd you hook up with this guy? Uh, actually, close family friend. Um, so he created the product in 2013, and just over the summer, um, uh, I, I met up with him, and he said, hey, I've got a, a business idea that I want to run with, um, and he asked for my help. and. Uh, Created full uh, organization chart. We have a very advanced executive team, so I'm the executive uh, vice president of marketing and sales. And is it is the patent granted? It is. Yep. Yeah. Filed. Um, filed and granted. Have you guys uh, looked at the pre-coated toothbrushes? No, I'm sorry. The pre-coated toothbrushes. Have you looked at that market? The pre-coated ones. Yeah, toothbrushes. They already have a little toothpaste on them. They're dried. The, and then the small toothbrushes. No, the regular size. They're like disposable one-time use. <laughs> they haven't really taken off like country clubs have them in certain places. They're, but they're a convenience brush. You might want to take a peek at those. Yes, absolutely. You can, it's a great suggestion. You can get them on Amazon. for us, but at the same time, that is single-use. Um, so, so the advantage of us is that you know, you've got enough toothpaste in here to last um, about 10 to 12 days worth of brushes, depending on how much uh, or how often you brush. So by just having a single-use one, um, yes, it's great, but this is really uh, for traveling and for on the go, brings to the office. Yeah, you just might want to look at the stats, is what I meant, how much they're really selling. Thank you. Does it, um, does the toothpaste, like, dry up? Because it's not like, you know, when, when it's not coming yeah. out or? or uh, Every single time someone does that. That's the pattern. Yeah, we, uh, we actually we plucked it out, and uh, the toothpaste um, in the brush head gets a tiny bit crusted at the top, but once you spin that dial once or twice, um, then it comes out just like normal. Um, we're actually looking at two different options as well in terms of um, sanitary conditions. Right now it's designed to come with a cap, but we're looking at some innovative packaging where uh, you wouldn't need the cap, and the packaging actually serves as a sanitary travel uh, pouch. Rob, do you have any initial retail customers? Uh, not at the moment. Do you have any deals yet? 
No, no deals yet. Um, so the product, there is a, a prototype, but we're looking for um, for that 50,000 to do further prototyping and um, eventually put the first order. So Robbie, what, what's your margin in one toothbrush? So it costs us two seventeen um, to produce one toothbrush, and that includes uh, raw materials and then also labor. Um, and we're retailing for about six ninety five retail um, and three fifty wholesale. So you have four dollars in a toothbrush. Yeah. So, so how many you, you want to sell in a year to be a reasonable size company? Uh, so at the moment we're looking at at steady growth, um, but definitely into. Um, into the, the thousands within the, the first year. Um, and then also bringing in lots of marketing and everything like that and further um, exploration of our target markets to, to really ramp up those sales. So at the end of year two, we're looking at um, at uh, net income of about 800,000. And revenue of what? Uh, or is that, that's, uh, that is your revenue, the 800,000? Yes, sir. Okay, so that's about 120,000 toothbrushes. But that, uh, that's, that's net income, though. So that's, that's minus expenses and everything like that. Oh, okay. So how many toothbrushes would you have to sell for that? Um, the amount, um, we're looking at, at about um, uh, 600, excuse me, um, 622,000 in sales um, for, um, for the end of the first year. Um, so that would be, uh, let's see, that would be um, about 42,000 toothbrushes. Is this TSA certified? I know they have the travel toothpastes in there. I, I honestly can't get more than like five or six uses out of those. He said he had before, he said Yeah. Sorry, I didn't get it wrong. I'll clarify the, the numbers you say. And you're the TSA? Yeah, can I bring this on an airplane? Um, we'll look at that. I think that it has to get, um, has to get approved. Um, so yeah, we're certainly exploring that and making sure that we stay within that, that proper amount for how much we can bring. Okay, thank you. $2,100 after wages. 
So as you can see, it was a substantial growth over the last six months. Uh, I'm looking for $100,000 for 10% equity because I'm looking to continue to grow my business to $25,000 by the end of this year and $35,000 by the end of 2017. The way I expect to grow is by expanding from Lake County into Cook County and also up into the Wisconsin region. I am currently located in Lake County, so Kenosha and uh, Pleasant Prairie are rather close to me, and Cook County is also uh, rather close. So I don't want to expand too far because then it'll be, up, it'll be too far and I will not be able to keep up with the amount of clients and the amount of uh, employees that I will obtain. Um, I am looking to expand by hiring a salesperson and an operations person. This will allow me to focus on training employees and making sure customers are happy. In my industry, it's all about customer satisfaction. You need to make sure that they are happy, you need to make sure that they feel important, you need to make sure that they are communicated with. In my industry, a lot of the big uh, cleaning, or cleaning companies do not follow up with their customers. They get a contract and they leave them alone. At, for my company, I will follow up, I will communicate, and I will make sure that they feel important. 55% of all contracts are not renewed after the first year. That is due to lack of communication and poor cleaning. Big companies such as Janneking and uh, Clean Pro are big companies that are international. They focus on obtaining large amounts of contracts and not making sure that they have a quality cleaning service. So my proposition is to focus on the 55% that is lost by the large companies, focus on quality rather than quantity, and retain my uh, contracts. Thank you. Can you explain, uh, Anthony, are you a franchisee? Correct. And how big can you get and how as big is your, um, your territory? Uh, there is no territory restrictions. I could literally grow anywhere in Illinois. I would have to get approved uh, by Wisconsin in order to grow uh, deep into Wisconsin. Um, the largest franchisee actually for Image One is uh, $42,000. Uh, the owner of Image One's goal is to get everyone to $50,000 and above. So I am currently growing to that margin. I'm at $15,500 currently billing per month. So I have a ways to go, but I have a plan and I know uh, what I need to do in order to get there. But, but you're limited by I'm franchise? Li I'm, I'm limited only by my resources. So if I want to what grow... About Missouri? What? what about Missouri? I cannot grow into Missouri unless... Yeah, you, so you are limited. Uh, unless I get approved into another state. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. How long has Image One been around? Image One has actually been around since 2012 as well, but they uh, used to be a part of a company named Anago, and they're an actual international uh, franchising company, and they had done something that uh, was unethical, so Image One actually broken off and uh, created their own company. Have you uh, investigated other franchisees that, that have been around since 2012 to see how they've done? I have. Uh, there are some. Obviously, I cannot uh, fully invest into my business because I'm currently going to school, so I have other uh, obligations. So other companies have actually grown over the last four years um, to about twenty-five to actually uh, $40,000 in ranges. I'm a little bit lower end because I haven't been able to focus my time on solely my business. But I, after school, that's why I have the big jump from 
25,000 to 35,000 so quickly. That's a $10,000 growth, so I expect to be able to do that. Okay. Who are your employees? Who are my employees? Um, I actually started out with my or myself and my brother. Uh, we were doing actually all $5,000, us two and one of his friends, so it's just three of us. Uh, once I started expanding, um, Image One has a way of finding employees. They have a Craigslist ad that uh, weans out most of the uh, most uh, applications to only limit them to cleaning experience. So then they will offer us the applications and then I will go through each application evaluating them and then I'll make phone calls uh, to interview them and then take them out in the field and evaluate their cleaning skills. And then if I show them an account and they accept it, then uh, that is where I start training. What do you pay? Uh, I currently pay uh, by uh, rates, so per day. So if an account is five days a week and it takes six hours, I'll pay $70 for that day. So if it takes a little bit longer, they won't feel like they're getting paid minimum wage. But if they do it in five hours because it's built based on how fast, or built based off of square footage, not how fast you can do it. So if they did it in five hours and it was built for six hours, they're making more money than what they are expected to. You offer benefits? I do not. Are they headquartered here? Uh, in one? Yeah. Yes, they're actually uh, headquartered in uh, Elk Grove Village. Wooddale. And uh, yeah. this Image One Chicago, is that a franchise? Uh, correct. That is actually, originally Image One is from Chicago. If you uh, look up Image One USA, that is their new affiliate program, which actually uh, moves to your uh, question of if you can expand. Um, the affiliate program is actually uh, expanding to the national level. So there are franchises in Ohio, Nashville, um, Michigan, and then there's uh, soon to be one in Florida. But this one's not you? This Correct. No, that is not me. So you've got other franchises in town here? Correct. Okay. Uh, Image One currently has uh, 85 franchise owners other than myself. But mo most franchises are under $5,000. Um, I am in the top 15 uh, for most buildings. So if I if I uh, step up and, and invest a hundred thousand dollars for a tenth of your company, how do I get liquid in four or five years? Uh, well, you would be able to uh, take royalties and on, on, off of my company, the ten percent royalty, uh, and then that'll make up the money that you invested. So if I expand to twenty five thousand dollars per month, that's two hundred or uh, three hundred thousand dollars overall per year. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but the easiest way to do it is a third of your uh, yearly uh, revenue is profit. And that's, I've actually done the numbers for a couple months where it's uh, fully not uh, reasonable to make that assumption. So $100,000 would be my profit if I made it to $25,000 by the end of this year. So, and, and you would pay me back $10,000? So Correct. In, in 10 years, I'd get my money back? Correct. And then, but the royalties would continue after the 10 years. The royalties would be as long as uh, my business is around. So, but my plan is to grow past $25,000. So if I were to grow to $50,000 per month, that's, uh, that's uh, $600,000 per year. So you would make your money back even faster, because I expect to keep growing. So it wouldn't take 10 years, it could take up. Two years, it could take three years, depending on how fast I grow. Okay. You would continue to uh, make 10% royalty after that. So if I grew to $50,000 per year, you'd make $60,000 uh, $60, per year.
per year when I made it to fifty thousand dollars a monthly bill. Okay. Thanks. Yep. software know if they're counting bodies in Jewel Osco. So that was how crowded it is. Exactly. Now that's what I was talking about with the manual or automatic. So when it's a smaller app, the main point would be have I so Jewel Osco is a great example. I also use restaurants as an example. But let's say a user walks in, right? And when they first walk in, they have their own impression of how many people are there. Look down the app notices that you're there and it sends a little notification saying, how busy is this place for rating of one to five? Right, it's in the very beginning, it's a little more rudimentary. Let's say you walk into Authentica, like I was saying. Um, you walk in, you see there's five open tables. Five open tables. You can say, 
mm, this place is a four on the business scale or a busy scale, you can also leave a little comment saying, hey, I see four open tables. The goal is to have it be, like most crowdsourcing apps, to be a larger user base. So when you hit over 100,000 users, you've got information that the apps themselves are processing because you've probably got at least five users in that area at any given time. Um, I base a lot of this off of Waze. It's a, it's a new app that came out in the last two years. And how that app works is it's for traffic. So it's based on how fast is the user driving. Users can also report if they see cop on the side of the road, if they see construction. Um, and with that information, Waze will tell you the quickest way to go. Um, in the very because I, I had that app as a beta. The main problem was there weren't enough users providing information to do it automatically. So it really relied on someone saying, hey, I'm driving really slowly right now, or there's this road's broken, as it's gotten to today. It's actually been acquired by Google for several million dollars. Um, there's so many users that the app does all of itself. It sees that 10 users just drove down Sheridan at 10 miles an hour. There must be a traffic jam here. Go order So, Life Map's looking to do that in the same sense of saying, we notice there's a high um, traffic amount at Authentico. Check in and see if it's busy before you go in. Because one thing I've noticed as well, why I came up with this idea, is that there are no reservations for most restaurants now. I know I work at Deer Path, you can't even make a reservation there. So there's no way to find out unless you call yourself, and sometimes the businesses don't even want to tell you. Those are my other examples. Was let's say you want to go to a bar in Liquidville, they're not going to want to tell you it's empty, and they're not going to tell you it's too full. So the goal of is to provide that information for you through the users itself. But it's all user input to it is. calculate that. Input. Yes. Have you looked at some of the other companies like Retail Next that are doing location-based marketing inside retail stores? Is a lot of people spending just tons of money. That's, that was a few statistics I found. Um, actually, I, the first thing that caught my interest was that 67% of all advertising is local advertising. Yeah. And then I also noticed that um, the mobile app marketing for location-specific advertisement is looking to grow to 77 billion by 2017. Yeah, so it is to, a giant market. Yeah, you have to include the retailer in that business model because right. there's already a fight going on. I'd be happy just if Deer Path they would get an open table there. <laughs> that would make my evening. <laughs> so if you could do that. Um, you know, I, I know that's that was one of the, the big thoughts when it came to choosing how to make revenue. Yeah. So I know uh, a big deal with these crowdsourcing apps is just selling the user data to other people. And I didn't mention that here, but one big part of that thirty thousand was making sure I had a fluid um, user base. So for example, you have your own profile, you know, it shows on that deer path, or it shows on that wherever. But you don't really only close to giving that information out. But we still want to use your data to make things more efficient. So I want to be able to be either your username or completely anonymous. So that was a goal that I wouldn't really want to be selling that data. My main point of revenue would be these sponsorships through these small businesses, especially local businesses, because this is a great way to reach out to people that you know are nearby, and you're now also creating brand recognition by using that. Austin, does your app exist yet? No, it does not. Okay, so you got to put it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as you get it uh, uh, created, how are you going to test it? Where are you going to test so it? So that's a great question. Um, the original idea, which I we discussed this during my last um, my last round of the pitch, was to base it in like Lake Forest College. So started a very small area where I could talk with users. Mm -hmm. um, we also discussed the idea of maybe using like Evanston, where I could still use now more a little more not just college students, again, a wider range of uh, consumers. But for the first year, like I was saying. I would be using a, a small area of North Shore Chicago where I could have a variety of different businesses. Um, I myself and I, I, me, I myself could be in that area getting feedback. And then I'd have at the end of that two different updates of those problems that I'd seen. 
some kind of constant changes. So by the end of the year, I have $60,000 in the app for a full-scale build. Okay. Okay. I'm not familiar with Waves uh, that you described, but do you know Gas Buddy? Do you know that? I've never heard of Gas Buddy. Gas Buddy is crowdsourcing uh, for gas prices. Cheapest, cheapest gas prices. It's got a market cap of over a billion dollars now. Waves actually has a feature also where it's a form of Gas Buddy where you can update uh, gas prices it probably be worth your time to look into how both of those companies got started. I will. Because I'll, I'll buy 20% of your company for 60000 if you can guarantee a billion-dollar market. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee's a strong word. But, uh, that, that's one thing I can see is that I don't think as much as is this idea successful, it's just will life map be the app that does it? Because it seems to me a very natural progression because I started using Waze about a year ago, and that's where I started seeing this. Is like this is great for Rose, but there are so many other things I'd like to know, right? And there are already people there. And the idea kind of started about like Force Calder saying, I want to know if the gym's empty or not. So I'm not friends with all 1,600 kids, and I don't think all of us know everyone in Chicago. But they, most of them have smartphones, and most of this information is there. I make the assumption that the majority of people inside a restaurant today probably have a smartphone. So if even half of them have LifeMap, that's now information for you in any part of the Chicago, and any part of the United States, so the market cap is definitely there. sold, or 400 and some odd dollars. 
I'm asking you for an $18,000 investment today in Parasave for a 20% return on your money within 12 months. Initially, I plan to use a number of reputable base jumping backpack manufacturers to manufacture Parasave, and then we are going to move all the production in-house. On the market right now is the SOS Parachute. That is our only competitor right now. The SOS Parachute is not universal. It only fits one person. It's a custom-only order item. The SOS Parachute costs in excess of $5,000. It's extremely expensive. And the SOS Parachute requires repacking every six months. Now, Parasafe is never going to be FAA approved. To get FAA approval, you need to be repacked every six months. Thanks to Parasafe proprietary design, you're never going to need to repack the Parasafe. Please invest in Parasafe today to make our high rises a safer place. Can you uh, reenact how this how the device works by pretending there's a fire and you have to jump up? <laughs> I wish I could. We're in the. <laughs> it's not a great uh, great place, but basically it would be within an arm's reach of your cubicle or within your cubicle. Yeah. Um, when we sell them, we come out and we actually show you how to use them. So you would put it on. You would find the appropriate place to jump. You'd break the window. You'd pull the tab. You jump out the window, and you would pull parasafe. And it's all the principles of a normal parachute. All the principles of a normal parachute. Uh, basically, a base jumping parachute requires you to be over 100 feet. Um, so our primary target market is high rises. Uh, high rises are anything really over 100 feet. So how fast are you going if you're a 200 pound person jumping from the 50th floor? Uh, it's just like a, a regular parachute. Uh, you do? We've seen videos of you know people landing on a parachute. It's a pretty smooth landing. Um, it's the same kind of concept as a base jumping backpack, but what makes us different is that we don't need to be repacked. I was just trying to buy one on Amazon. So how does, how does your price compare to this SOS one? The SOS is over $5,000. It's yeah. a custom-only order item also. So. Uh, if you're a business, and what's, you your, have, what's your cost? My cost is uh, like $1,100. That's your price or your cost? That's my cost. My price is $1,640. By the way, Parasafe is a drug. It's pretty well trademarked. Uh, yes. It's not a range. <laughs> I noticed that today that Parasafe is a drug. <laughs> Good presentation. So uh, have you researched how big a company SOS is, how, how successful they've been? From what I understand right now, the founder of SOS is just kind of an adrenaline junkie. And uh, he, he's made base jumping, you know, uh, part of his company. And so far, from what I found, he hasn't sold a single parachute. Uh, you can't order one online. It's by bank transfer only. Uh, they're based out of somewhere in South America. Uh, and they, like I said, from my knowledge, they are not in any building whatsoever. Okay. What did you say about breaking the glass? Do you have a special tool? Or? Yeah, so um, there's actually a tool on the market right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a part in a spark plug that you can take and throw at any piece of glass, and it just basically shatters. Uh, they have a tool that's sold, it's pretty readily available for cars that allows you to cut a seatbelt and smash a window. Mm. That exact same tool will come on one of the shoulder straps of Parasafe, 
And so you're able to take that tool and break a window. Um, so w what's your proprietary technology and like, could you just license it to somebody else or maybe how? So, uh, are you familiar with an avalanche backpack? Anyone? Okay, great. Great. So, an avalanche backpack is a waterproof backpack, basically, and it has a zipper on it that allows you to break the zipper. The zipper is still waterproof, but if a force comes in from the inside of the zipper, it immediately explodes. Now, what an avalanche backpack does is if you're in an avalanche, you pull the tab, it inflates a huge thing, and you're able to float on top of the avalanche. I'm going to take that same technology into Parasafe without the CO2 canister explosion. Uh, parachutes are usually deployed by a spring system, and I think that spring, from my testing, has shown that it'll easily break the zipper. I, I don't. <clears throat> I just have a, a quick story. Ellen Klapmeyer, who was the RA in my freshman hall at college, uh, invented an airplane called a Cirrus, and people thought it was kind of a foolish idea at the time. And he sold it five years ago for almost a billion dollars, nine hundred yeah. million. So it's a people people want that kind of safety. It's a single deployment parachute for an airplane. Safety absolutely consumes our lifestyle right now. If we think about devices like a Liat device or a Hans device, uh, I mean seatbelts were a, a huge life-saving device. Airbags in cars, you wouldn't go on a boat today without you know a, a life preserver. So people are absolutely inspired by safety. So, what's your liability insurance cost? So, for every parachute we sell, um, Parasafe isn't really for anyone. Parasafe gives you the opportunity to save your own life. Um, for every parachute we sell, though, there is a, a liability transfer. We have we accept no liability. And the parachute manufacturers have been doing this for years too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Cal, I mean, are you? I realize I'm making this assumption. Is the assumption right that the customers you envision would be corporations who would buy a bunch of these for their employees and put them in, in the cubicles you've talked about a couple of times, or, or would there also be individual purchasers? Uh, our primary target market is commercial or residential. So you can be, you know, just a, a family of four living on the 82nd floor or whatever, and you buy four of them. Or you can be an entire corporation, uh, and you could buy 500 of them. At $1,600, or would you? Uh, yeah, $1,600 is still extremely affordable. The other thing that I, I failed to mention right now, because we're still in the, the beginning stages of it, is we're talking with insurance companies currently to uh, give you a reduction in your insurance premium, your life insurance premium right now, to, uh, to save you on that. So it could pay off over time. Go ahead. Uh, what about thinking bigger, like selling a high-rise safety kit, for example? Maybe I don't want to jump out the window, but I'll just throw on, you know, the gas mask and wait for the fire to be put out, and you know, call it a day. You know what I mean? Like, give people some options. As <laughs> 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 a possibility in the future, I'll definitely look into it. There are some other products on the market. Uh, there's one where. Uh, you can repel out of the building, but the problem with that is if the entire building is engulfed in flames, you can't get past that. The other thing is you're on a, a length limitation. You can only go so far down the building. And the other limitation is you're going to have to have someone come out and professionally drill in and anchor into every windowsill. Um, 
Does the, does the product have a shelf life? Does it last for five years? Is there an annual cost to it if you depreciate it out? Or? So right now I don't have the, the research and development fund to see exactly how long a parachute will last. To get FAA approval, you have to have your parachute repacked every six months. And the reason for that is really for like your base jumpers or uh, your recreational user. Uh, from what I understand, as long as it's a sealed environment, there should be no shelf life whatsoever. You should be able to use it forever. Uh, but initially, like I said right now, I'm just trying to, to keep it to 10 years. Okay, thank you. All right, next up, we have Darius Belichick with the Pizza Station. By the way, I hope you all heard the wise wisdom lesson over here. Should always be an RA, none. It's <laughs> <laughs> the good things. That's the coolest plan. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah it There's a nice RA, too. Yeah. Did you know that there are over 2,300 calories in a large pepperoni pizza from Domino's? In that 30 minutes, it's just way too long to wait for a pizza. My name is Darius Balchek, CEO and founder of the Pizza Station asking for $200,000 for 25% of my company. Food and restaurants have changed significantly in the past 10 years. Consumers are demanding more from both the food and the restaurants. They want higher quality ingredients, they want faster service, all at a reasonable price. <clears throat> and I have created the solution for that. I have perfected the assembly line model into a pizzeria staff, into a pizzeria at a fast, casual pace. My company creates nine-inch, personal, fully customizable pizzas with healthier, more wholesome ingredients at a faster service and a great price. Let me illustrate that for you. So I want you all to come into my restaurant and say, Darius, can I get a gluten-free pizza? Definitely. Right station one, stretch the dough right in front of you. We're gonna go to station two. We have sauces and a rail. And we put, our, we put the sauce on there, and we put the blended mozzarella cheese. Then we go to station three, where we have topics. And we have a whole bunch of topics. So if you're a vegetarian, you want garlic, artichoke, spinach, and tomatoes, put on your pizza, we'll put it in the oven. That's station four. It'll be out to you within five minutes. We have three target markets. The first are the foodies, anybody who loves to create and experiment with flavors and tastes. The second is the dinner crowd. We are competing with other fast casual, fast food, and then traditional dining, dine-in restaurants. And the third, the biggest and our priority target market is the lunch rush. As a businessman, I know how important my time is, so I can only imagine how important your time is. We want to get you in and out in the 30 to 45 minutes that you have on lunch break. So we sell pieces for $9.50, and it cost me $5.70 to make it. At 210 pieces a day, that's 6,500 6, pieces a month, 78,000 pieces a year. That's in our base case. At a 2% growth rate on each month, when you have, at the end of the year, a million in sales and 10,000 in profit. At month seven, I'll start sending you a check. That's, the, that's when we break even. So where's your 200K going? It's going to hard assets like ovens, refrigerators, prep tables, anything for the operations of the business. I'm investing $250,000 myself in the company, 
I also have the loan in, in play as well. So Sharks, I need some dough. Who wants to make it What is the technology that allows you to cook it so quickly? So, um, have you all heard of glazed pizza? Um, there's one at Old Orchard. The technology that it cook so quickly is the freshness. So when dough is warmer and not necessarily, and it just made it fresh and it's rising still, that allows the pizza crust to cook the fastest. Have, have you heard of and pizza in Washington, D.C.? I have not heard of and pizza. It's a four to five minute wait for a $9.9 .9 inch in an assembly line kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Son just told me about it yesterday. So. <laughs> it's been three years in the making. I've created this idea before I even knew about Blaze Pizza or now there's Mod Pizza coming to market as well. Um, Do you have a location picked out? I'm sorry? Do you have a location picked yeah, out? Yes, certainly. So my first location is going to be in San Rafael. Um, just because San Francisco and Chicago too, um, they're really big areas of food influence. So there's a lot of culture and a lot of passion behind food. Uh, I think that area attracts different tastes, people that want to experiment. That's where the primary food market, the foodie market is, as they say. But also within a 10 mile radius, there's a $300,000 business population living in, in that area that commute daily from San Francisco back to San Rafael. Um, and that market right there is enough to produce the revenue that we have. Are you from there? Why'd you pick San Rafael? Um, I'm not, but I visited San Francisco and being down in the Marcadero and the Marina, I've experienced the food culture there and I've been partners in a restaurant for the past two years and so I know uh, what people look for and how food really, um, people seek different tastes and food options. So your vision is to have how many of these? Um, in the next 10 years, I plan to open 100. 100, okay. And what's with the logo, the axe, the fireman thing? Yes, it is a fireman's thing. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get my fire uh, suit today. But it is a firehouse themed pizza. Um, I think that really makes sense because it's a station. You go from station to station to station um, being served that way. What if, you, if, if you're a partner in a restaurant right now, you say for the last two years you've been a partner in a restaurant. Right. What, what kind of a place is that? Um, it is actually a pizza place, too. Uh, so New York style, so I kind of got the idea. Um, my buddy's parents passed it down to us, um, his son and me. And so we, it's a, just a New York style pizza, but I've been the re in the restaurant industry and service industry for such a long time that I know enough to get this going. And that's where I got the idea from. So I'm, I was sick and tired of making pizzas that are, can I get half this and half that, and there's 10 toppings on each side. Just make it customizable, make it personal, so then there's no arguments between the two consumers. Gonna bring samples to the demo night? Um, <laughs> we can get it up in and I'll make it to you guys in five minutes. <laughs> One way to move a crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, I think it's a great idea. The, the, the place in DC has a hundred people in the line every 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 lunch hour. And then um, there's a place like it in Florence that takes a little bit longer because they have it in a stone oven. And it's a uh, there's just a constant line around the block for these places. And I think that's and that's I mean that's a great point. Blaze pizza. I mean, you're gonna you go to Chipotle, you're gonna stand in ten minutes because you know how good that burrito is. And that's the whole point about my restaurant because you get to see me create it right in front of you. And the current restaurant that I'm partners with, they have an open floor plan. 
So anybody sitting at any table can see me throwing the dough above my head, spinning it and putting it in the oven. You know when your pizza's coming out. And you get your, I want it to be a more inclusive uh, experience. So you get to see me put the toppings on a pizza. You get to choose what you want. If you want a little more of this, go ahead. Why not ask for it? much lower cost 
per trader than um, institutional software costs, but providing a similar level of market oversight. Um, so these are some of our features in our V1. This is ready. Um, we're finishing up to be done in tens of days, our beta version. We have uh, integration with TD Ameritrade, so you can bring uh, positions from your portfolio over to allow us to uh, analyze them and tell you about how much risk you're taking. We have uh, profitability tracking and charting, so you can understand how changes in your trading strategy affect your profitability. We also do, as I said, portfolio risk assessment. We have uh, analytics and charting of historical volatility and returns of equity options um, across the globe. We cover more than 18,000 securities. Um, we keep track of historical earnings results because much of uh, equity derivatives trading is based on earnings and the volatile movement of stocks thereafter. Um, we also have a number of visualization packages for option chains, um, as well as you know filtering of market data, um, so that you're able to find uh, trades which most closely match that of your strategy. Um, so that's Trade Defender. Oh, oops, we're asking for sixty-five thousand dollars for five percent of the company. Thank you. in the city working on fintech, so you picked a good category. Uh, what's your secret sauce? So it's not fancy algorithms. You're just trying to make a better UX design presentation well, there. The, the way this happened was uh, I run a small consulting firm. We do software development for financial services firms. Um, I used to work at a trading firm, um, and I turned down a job offer. But as an intern there, I turned down a job offer from now, and now I do a lot of consulting for companies like that and their competitors. But, we were approached um, by a man who wanted to take his trading and you know, create a software around it. And we realized that the software he's currently using to meet those same uh, needs was terrible. He's paying an incredible amount per year for it. We realized that this could be something commercial. So we said to him, you know, pay us a little more, we can make it commercially uh, utilizable product. And that became trading fighter. So that's... Uh, but you don't have new algorithms, you just making a better presentation layer? No, so, so the reason uh, it's better is that the yeah. current software out there is terrible. It is all built on um, like 2005 to 2010. It's, it's insecure. I found a major error in TD Ameritrade software, for example. Um, if you have a TD Ameritrade account, I know your account number, your name, I know how much money you have. The, um, the, and, and, it's, and they're the best, they're the best for retail trade, TD Ameritrade. And, and it's terrible. I can't express how bad the software is. They're not able to do the analytics that we are. They're not at the charting packages that we do. And when it comes to feature development, the way that we built our infrastructure allows us to take features that are out there and mimic them and improve upon them in an amount of time that's much less than any other uh, software companies out there. The, so, it, for example, a competitor comes up with a feature that we think is good. You know, we can mimic that and improve upon it in an amount of time, with an amount of money, that's a tenth of what it's taken to develop it. So is your business model to private label it to other big institutions? Or? No, our business model is subscription to retail traders with okay. an eye on taking some of the best features and utilizing them to put together commercial packages for smaller trading firms. Okay. And they can't afford to develop for example. Do you have access? I'm sorry, go ahead. Do you have access to all of the data streams you need to, to drive this software? Yes. Currently, we're paying um, 
our, our costs are about $3,500 a month for uh, those data streams. We're looking to add a few more, but they're uh, pretty inexpensive. It'd be about $1,000 more a month. Once we take this out of development, though, um, and we open access to the public, our amount uh, it'll cost us is around eight to nine thousand a month, based on licensing, the options, price, and reporting authority, the New York Stock Exchange, and ads. Okay, that's not too bad. What do you do with the sixty-five thousand to start? Uh, we use it to go through beta testing. With um, we start off in a closed beta, so that we didn't have to pay a lot of those license costs, and really make the software as good as we could over the next two or three months, um, as well as debug it, make sure it's you know, free of any bugs or inconsistencies, and then utilize that to go into public beta um, and begin paying a lot of those licensing costs um, and start iterating with customers and making it the best product we can. From there, um, we will take those beta users who we drew in and uh, turn them into paying customers. And when when do you envision that would take place? The, in the fall of 2016. Fall of 2016, so six yes. months from now? Yes. You, um, do you want some feedback on your slides? Yes. <laughs> Throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you guys are just doing prototyping stuff. Yeah, just white, white, big letters, lots of pretty pictures. Uh, I'm much more of a numbers guy than a Nobody's going to read those. Yeah. Are there different <laughs> levels of Trade Defender? I mean, I know options can be very intimidating for someone like myself. Is there like a beginner, an intermediate, like an expert? Yeah, so there's a company out there called uh, Tasty Trade. They offer a lot of tutorials, but not a service like ours. And uh, we plan to, you know, as we grow, begin teaching people how to uh, trade options and understand them. You know, at its outset, we are targeting people who are currently trading options and utilizing a third-party solution to do analytics. But we are interested in also bringing people on. What would be the current cost per year for these? Um, we're looking at uh, the average cost per user being between $50 and $100 a month and having several tiers of access, which is severely undercutting our competitors, by the way, um, for a suite of features that embodies the totality of what is out there. Of course, increased competition in the market. 
But there's no other company like Wellmex which uh, sends packages with health-oriented products. Uh, unlike the majority of the companies such as HipKits, uh, CarePackages.com, and uh, WellBaskets, uh, we, uh, we deliver junk food, um, toys, um, flowers as feel-better gifts. We would deliver personalized care packages within 24 hours. So how does Wellmex work? This is a website where you can find and order your care package. Um, There's 16 packages to choose from that, uh, that are default. Um, usually, the products inside the package vary based on the theme, but they contain something like uh, organic food, uh, supplements, teas, um, thermometer, uh, thermometers, uh, tissues, as well as uh, books that actually guide the recipient on how to use all of those products to treat his condition. Um, on, apart from this, there's also a default, uh, there's also a customizable option, meaning that you can make your own package from the scratch, from a drop-down menu um, that is organized in uh, product categories. Uh, one of our main suppliers will be a company from Chicago, which is uh, Dr. Mercola's company, which has 1.5 million subscribers. Other suppliers would be um, top suppliers to Whole Foods, such as Select Nutrition and um, Select Nutrition and uh, Frontier Natural Products Co-op. Um, apart from this, um, our business will be a homemade business. The deliveries will be made across the nation, however. Um, we won't bear the cost of the delivery. It will, be, it will not be counted in the price, and we will have the customer uh, pay whatever USPS or FedEx lists. So what's in for Wellness? Um, we, made 30, uh, we made $30 profit from each package sold. Why is this so high? Uh, so high? Because we're a home-based home -based business and uh, we, don't, we don't have a lot of costs regarding uh, inventory uh, storage. Um, if we sell 450 packages a month, our first year's profit would be 160, more than $160,000. Uh, we need to make this idea a reality because it's currently in the development stage. We need only 138,000. Thus today, I'm only seeking for 40,000 in, ex in exchange for 25% of the equity. Uh, show your loved ones you care by investing in one next day. Are you making uh, <clears throat> these products that would go in the package? Yes. <clears throat> are any of them making uh, medical claims or? Well, no, uh, because also in the market, any medication produced by pharmaceuticals is not making any claims that is going to cure the cold. Or it can only uh, relieve the symptoms or uh, lower the duration of the um, cold or flu. There's nothing. Uh, um, found yet. Um, and thus some people that believe in alternative medicine, they argue that maybe uh, the cure that's not found is some, in something like organ organical or something that is around us that we don't, that pharmaceuticals didn't get uh, into. How many ailments on your list? Sorry? 30? What did you? How, How many? many ailments? How many conditions are oh, conditions. packages? So, because I have 16 packages, I was thinking more like um, stress relief packages, feel better packages, cold flu packages, also aromatherapy, um, as well as, so mostly colds 
than sick and stress relief and uh, just feeling better. Um, so hold approved. But you'd have 16. Six. Six, I'm sorry. And the idea is you would know somebody's sick and send this to them, or you would buy yes. it for yourself? So I was thinking, I'm an international student, and whenever I'm, I get sick, my mom tells me, you should go buy this, or you should go buy that. But sometimes you just don't feel get, like you want to walk or search for a specific medication. And she then gets worried. She's like, oh, did you buy it? And I, I sometimes, like, I can't tell her I didn't buy it. <laughs> so uh, I was thinking that she would definitely do this um, if she had the opportunity. Christina, you said you make you estimate that you'd make thirty dollars per yes. basket. So What's I, the cost of actually putting together a basket? So I, whatever my cost is, I want to keep forty percent of the margin because I can. Um, I'm a homemade. <laughs> I'm a homemade business, and after calculating all the costs of wages and salary and everything, um, I was thinking of turning my second floor into an office space, and my garage would be. The packages are not that big because organic um, organic products are kind of pricey, but I was thinking to keep the cost of the basket until thirty-five bucks because nobody would buy if it's more. So you, go ahead. So how much does a basket cost? So on average, seventy-five, but there's options. So you can buy a bigger basket for ninety dollars, or you can buy a smaller basket, which is like forty dollars. But I was looking at other like junk food uh, baskets, and they're selling for hundred fifty thousand just to get chips. And so I, I don't know how <coughs> people would react, but if they're willing to pay for something that's not very um, um, useful, I mean, it's not very useful, um, and to pay for something that helps you, I think they would pay this price. And how does that compare to like if I went out and bought all the items myself? Is there like a, a pie so, upcharge or, or? Because we would deliver, we would, you can choose your delivery time, but our primary push would be like 24 hours deliveries. Mm -hmm. Also customizable, so if your mom wants to say, you remember how I was giving you two spoons of this, like two spoons of honey before bed? Take that. So I, I'll write, I would write small notes on the package or on each product, depending on what she wants you to read. Yes, I guess it's kind of a follow-up question. So let's say for a $40 package, how much would those goods cost by themselves without your services? Do you know how much would that be? Yes, so um, I said that I would keep it until $35. Because I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I don't know if people would pay for more. Uh, but partnering up with this company, they give me like a 30% of a discount on everything that he's selling. This Dr. Mercola that has a 1.5 million So your idea is to um, start this business yourself. You'll be packing baskets and yes. sending them off yeah. on FedEx. How do, how do you scale after that? I mean, there, there's a limit to how much you can do in a day. Uh, uh, that is true. I would have I would have help, not, not only me. So I would have some help, but um, I didn't research much behind like uh, beyond uh, home based business because for now I want to keep it smaller. Yeah. Um, but I didn't research how would it be on a company level, meaning like large scale, because um, I'm not sure. I I didn't test the market. Okay. Okay. So.
So the money would be for inventory and what would what would you use the money for? The thirty dollars. No, the forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand. Oh, the, for marketing and initial inventory. Okay, so there's already a website. Well, I made, I made it. Um, it's not published yet. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a.